0: the podcast exclusively dedicated to the wrestling of Europe. If it's wrestling and it happens in Europe and it's good, we talk about it. Whether it's RevPro, Pro, Progress, WXW, Passion Pro, Pro Wrestling Chaos, Pro Wrestling North. We don't care, we talk about them all. If it's good and it's exciting, I want to share it with you. We're on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Check us out on the feed. Check us out on Twitter at EuroGrapCXP. And join us for chat about European wrestling and a little bit of chat about
3: cheese. Hopefully see you there. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
1: Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road, it's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch Podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. Coming to us part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network and powered by a large man appears.com. I'm your host, your team leader on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan. I'm joined as ever by my faithful co host, Staggerly Malone. Lee, how are you this week? I'm in jubilant mood myself.
2: Yeah, you seem in great form this week. Um, I'm not too bad. I mean, compared to you, I'm probably like depressed, but. Yeah. I'm, f-
1: I'm feeling chipper
2: yeah well, what's going on
1: it's good i uh you know not gonna get into uh, you know on the the free feed and stuff like that get into the the shoot life uh stuff too much um because of the sensitivity of my job but big promotion that I've been uh kind of battling for for about eight months i got it <laughs> <laughs> um which is amazing now I'm kind of like in charge of my kind of Operation. The, the, the which is great. This is my first like time where I'm going to be someone's boss. Oh, Pretty yes. weird. Pretty <laughs> weird. I'm gonna be in charge of four people. Um but it's good. It's it, like it's really um, you know, you've known behind the scenes like how long oh. I've been been trying to get this, and it's kind of it, it's incredible because like I was like a dog with a bone on that, and I'm not normally like so insistent on something like that i'm kind of go with the flow with career stuff do you know usually but i was like no do you know what fuck it like i i wanted to try and go against that like no one south of about 40 usually gets to this mm. level do you know and i was like no oh, fuck it i can do this and just wouldn't give up and now i was saying it to one of my co-workers i feel like a like do you know to pull every, Pull something very cringely from the dark night. I'm like the dog chasing the car. Now I finally caught it, and I'm like, oh fuck, what do I do? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to do
2: now. Um, but it's cool, yeah. I mean, I'm happy, like you said, you've been working hard for it, and now you have yeah. it. And, uh, I'm sure you'll do fine, yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> thanks, man. Appreciate the, the show of support. You got my
2: full backing to do good,
1: yeah. It's good because it kind of like it's um, it's a lot more responsibility, and you know the book stops at me now. But also at the same time, it kind of pulls me back from the stuff that has made my ability to record more erratic. Because mm. I've been holding the fort, like doing my job and elements of the job of the person whose shoes I just filled for the last eight months. So my my flexibility is about to go up as well, which is great, as well as the pay, obviously. Yeah, it's um, all about to pay. For, forget, so it's get the flexibility. It's good. So I'm obviously celebrating tonight. I've I've brought back. You know, we don't do it every podcast now, but I've brought back the adult beverage. Mm-hmm. I'm having a a bushmills and uh, and ginger ale. Um, and i sadly Lee. It's the end of my Bushmills supply.
2: Uh-huh. It's always a sad day when the yeah. bushmills run out.
1: Yeah and like my optic of the four bottles spinning around So now mm. there's there's one less in there So I have to think very carefully about what's going to be open next um, Actually my my
2: lovely wife bought me a, uh, a I think she said it was a Valentine's gift But she's awful at um, withholding surprises So she just yeah. handed me this gift um, yeah. A whiskey, um, whiskey cocktail booklet so it's like six i think it's 64 hang on let's, let's cross the way here hang on one sec yeah see well well lee
1: is off uh getting that now uh i'm gonna say that when we finally do a podcast in person which we haven't done since pick your poison eddie guerrero i believe lee is actually now duty bound to make me a cocktail here he is now. Get okay, back. I'm back, I'm back. It's uh back. I was j I was just saying now when we uh have a podcast in person for the first time since the Eddie Guerrero show, uh you are duty bound
2: to make me one of these cocktails. absolutely. So it's uh sixty wonderful whiskey and bourbon cocktails. Ooh. So I've had a I've had a quick glance through. There's uh there's some good uh variations on your favourite mule. Yeah. Lee, I'm I'm not I'm not shitting you. I think I might have gotten
1: that very book for Christmas off somebody. <laughs> that cover looks really familiar, and I know I got a cocktail book at Christmas. Fuck, that might actually
2: be the... Oh, that's deadly. So uh, so I'm looking forward to diving into this when I have some I, time.
1: For people who never made the journey to WXW, and one of our new patrons was actually asking this bit, like, do we have plans to return? And at the moment, no, no I don't think yeah, so. Yeah. I'd like to... If I was going to go back for one, Lee, I think I'd do the traditional one both of us would show up to, which was Tag League, because I think that's, like, a more chill vibe. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's later in the year as well, which gives me more chance to, like, get off work. I I also Um, think it's more variety over a weekend. Uh, I don't... um, I don't currently have plans to go this year. But, point is, one of the places we love to go for food in Oberhausen, in... um, in Centro, the big kind of retail complex that's that's nearby, was a place called Louisiana, which we didn't actually... The first couple of years I was going there, we never went there. It was all just a 360 sports bar, McDonald's, the kebab van, places like that. But then we started kind of the last year or two. As we got older and couldn't do uh, three square meals a day of burgers, yeah, yeah, we all started branching out. Like Alan Forel has his famous train station... Uh, Thai place or was it Chinese? Chinese, it was a Chinese. Chinese come yeah. on! Couldn't remember if it was Thai or not because there is a Thai place in one of the other train stations around there. But yeah, no, he goes to the one in the Hauptbahnhof, which is Chinese. You're what, right. Was
2: it a train station or a bus station? Well, no, it was, it was a train station. Train st- yeah, yeah, a tra-
1: yeah. it, there's buses outside, yes. but it's mainly the Hauptbahnhof, the, the train station. um but Louisiana is one place That does kind of like um, You know kind of southern style cuisine And one of the things they did there Was a Louisiana mule mm. Which was oh my god it was incredible And it was just like all this it, It's kind of similar to like the, the Jemison ginger and lime It's like a a rich bourbon With um Ginger beer Ginger beer um, Loads of lime juice And like Um, kind of crushed ice instead of like uh, whole ice cubes and in one of those kind of like the the metal uh, cups that you would get like a Moscow mule in as well Uh, and oh my god there is like I I created a meme of you know the Wolverine stroking the picture Mm -hmm. of like when lockdown happened because like we had been there and had many and it was the first time I'd been able to tempt a load of people into getting the Louisiana mule with me there was a night where we were all getting them at the table on the last night of that carrot. Um, oh, Kentucky mule,
2: yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, we were all getting it, and uh, then you know when we couldn't go out anymore. The two things I missed the most from Germany aren't the wrestling; it's the Louisiana mules and the Werther's
2: original popcorn. <sighs> Remember that? I'm so devastated. We that COVID f- prevented me from getting that packet of uh, Werther's original popcorn. Oh, they were at. Oh, I
1: worry. know they were. Yeah. 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 I had brought bags back for you and Jamesy, and both of you, I think maybe you threw gritted teeth because Jamesy said at first that, I ah, no, you hold on to us, and you were like, yeah, fucking hold I'm not, on I'm not going to gonna it, so. see <laughs> well, you yeah, for, yeah, it's yeah. been three years now, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, at a certain point, it's just us being real fucking lazy that we haven't actually seen each other. <laughs> and really, yeah, no, it really is. Uh, it's, it's It's actually, like, it's actually depressing. Ah, <laughs> uh, what could you do? What could you do? Um... um
2: I, I always like saying the uh the one like I think it was the first time we went to to Oberhausen. Or well I went, the first time I went when we went yeah. to Tagweek and came up with this idea for this Godforsaken show. Yeah. <laughs> and uh I had the temerity to order a whiskey at the bar yeah. in uh <laughs> it wa- I forgot about this. It wasn't even a hotel we were staying in, it was um Yeah, we
1: were we uh, the year you came was when we finally moved to do an Airbnb. That's
2: right. And who was Alan and Sarah were staying in in the NH the NH, and we were there that evening. Yeah, and I had the temerity to order whiskey and oh the looks, the notions of that were cast yeah. upon me.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> I I was like I was going through a phase where I was just drinking beer. I wasn't drinking whiskey, my my usual thing. And like me and uh, friend of the show, Bo's Johnny. Star of the Eddie Guerrero episode we mentioned earlier on, he he and I both ordered beers, and fucking Malone over here orders a whiskey, and oh my god, it was an evening of references. Oh, you sure you didn't like leave your monocle at the bar? and all how the tables have turned yeah, tell you. look, look hey? who's
2: fucking betting through whiskey now
1: because huh? there, there was a while there where I got really hard back into the whiskey and you were stuck on the beer yeah. Um, so the, yeah the tables had flipped properly um, something I was thinking a lot about this weekly and it's kind of an un, a non-wrestling related thing before we kind of get into the business end of the podcast is have you ever had like that thing where like I'm a big music guy i think you're you're a music guy as well
2: i'm not as big but uh, not as growing up around music yes
1: yeah so like have you ever got that thing music is incredible having this kind of sense memory sort of thing that like a particular song or a particular vibe in a song has this almost like can time travel you back to a very particular situation or period in your life like oh my god absolutely incredible um so I had this a couple of times in the last week. So um, the first was I um, I often watch. There's a, there's a great little background watching YouTube channel I like uh, when I'm editing called Trash Theory, which does these little documentaries on how different movements in music started, whether it's like emo or new wave or or whatever. Mm. Um, and they had one on Lily Allen. Okay. And I was just like... Oh, Lily Allen is someone that I never like would go out of my way to listen to... But was like... You'd bop along if it was on the radio or whatever. And um, in the course of watching that documentary... I'm hearing clips of Smile and LDN. And all of a sudden... It was like the mid-2000s. I had my first summer job working in a Tesco near my house. And this was the kind of stuff that was on the radio in Tesco during that summer. Um which also then made me think of other bands I was listening to around the time, like the Libertines or, um, Jesus, who else? Probably a lot of Arctic Monkeys at the time, Brendan Benson. Um, yeah, that, that was the first one. And then also a big shout out. If you, if you're a music person and you like deep dives on music, there's a podcast I started listening to last year at some stage called what is music and each series they will take a band Okay. And they will go through their entire discography and do deep dives on each album or release. And sometimes like multi-part episodes on one album. Okay. Um, And their latest season is Radiohead. Oh, very good. And they just got to In Rainbows, which is the kind of, it was the first Radiohead album that came out after me being cognizant of who Radiohead were you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so like I kind of got into them shortly before In Rainbows came out so I'd I'd gotten caught up and then In Rainbows especially being this like the first of its kind pay what you want download online album Mm. uh, at the time was just like such a monumental thing so I've been like listening to uh, you know 15 step that kicks off the album just like is proper I've gone back in time do you have any of those kind of particular like you hear this song and it's just like fucking waves of nostalgia wash over you
2: Oh, yeah, of course. Like Apar-
1: uh, apart from the American Males theme song,
2: <laughs> that's just a good time for all. Um, oh yeah,
1: memories of getting lost in Cavan on the way home from that
2: <laughs> one wrong turn in the fucking Belfast, and that fucked us up for hours. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, I mean, look, but I'm like I say, a little bit older than yourself. So for me, it's a lot of uh, like kind of. What the kids now call EDM, like early, like late nineties, early two thousands, kind of, mm. kind of dance club music, just has. There's mm. certain songs that can just bring me back to certain places.
1: Uh, underworld, Born Slippy. I'm not that old. Like that, but no, but but that's <laughs> it like because that was, yeah. it, it, but that was like the soundtrack of so many like movies mm-hmm. in the nineties. Like it's in the likes of. I think it's on the Train Spotting soundtrack, isn't I it? I think it is. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it is. I've also got a real Jones and to watch Train Spotting again lately. I, mean, I need to. I need to do that. But go on, sorry.
2: Um, but yeah, like stuff like that, and kind of um, a lot of like what you'd call, I think Americans would call, like club music, like um, like R and B and stuff like yeah. that. That that's kind of very nostalgic for me for when you'd be going out and yeah. having a pre children, um, pre wife kind of yeah social life. Remember before the wild days but before covid yeah um yeah. but uh, like again there's, there's just certain songs that bring me back certain it, time. like like for example my my first dance at my wedding was a uh, lovely day by bill withers ah and that's just the song that just brings me right back to a certain time and yeah um but even then like there's, there's just different things different songs that, it, that it, it's it's
1: It's a certain thing, like a couple of friends of mine have done it where they've gone back and almost done like a musical autobiography where they go year by year Mm. and make Spotify playlists of what they remember listening to at that time in their life. Like I get, if ever I hear the three singles off MGMT's Oracular Spectacular album, all I can think of is sitting in the SU in Maynooth when I was uh, like in college because those three songs were, what they do is when you didn't have money in the jukebox to play a particular song um it was it would play the top ten plays. And it would just cycle through, so yeah. It was the three of them, the top five, right? So the three of them the three singles, which were Kids Time to Pretend an electric feel. Mm-hmm. Then there was um Just Dance, Lady Gaga, because again I went to college O seven through O ten was or 010. Oh, ten. 07 through oh t- oh 0- seven through ten were like my undergrad and then I was there through the end of twenty eleven doing my masters the first time round. Um and so those were four. And then there was, I can't remember, there was some other kind of something similar to that was the fifth one. And we were like determined to get something else in there. Um. So what we did through sheer force of will was we got all Nightmare Long by Metallica <laughs> into fifth place on the list. Jesus. Because they wouldn't have a lot of old stuff on the jukebox, mm. which would like be our preference. It was kind of what would come out. And Death Magnetic came out while we were in that period in college. So we got all nightmare long on, because we thought it was really funny that, like, the, like, the GAA teams or whatever would always be putting on the MGMT stuff when they were on their nights out, and it'd be, we thought it would be really funny if, like, a combo breaker there was just Metallica every fifth song if
2: they weren't. That's something a friend, me and friend of mine used to do, and, uh, like, you know, you'd go to the leisure packs or whatever, you know, they had them jukeboxes up in, like, the pool mm. hall and the super hall or whatever. And then- the The, um,
1: like... What would be the equivalent of a Leisureplex to our American friends? Uh, One of those, like, it's part arcade, part laser tag, part, part, part bowling, bowling. Alley, part yeah. restaurant. Yeah, uh, but very much, like, de-emphasizing the restaurant yeah. part. It was like you get, like, a little red basket of hot dog and chips, and that's about it.
2: Mm. There was, like, a soft play zone for kids and stuff like that. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. it wasn't, like, an, a level of a Chuck E. Cheese no, or Dave no, & Buster's no, kind no. of thing.
2: It was very, very much more about just going in and playing the games, and um, it was. If more, you was want more, food while you're there, it was more so the, the pool and the, the snooker seem yeah. to do a lot of business mm-hmm. for them. Um, when I
1: did the the laser tag there, uh, Quasar as it was called for my, I think it was my twelfth birthday. You know that they blare music mm-hmm. while you're doing it, and it's all the UV lights and stuff. The the album that I had, I swear to God, my cousin Darren will tell you this if you don't believe me. The The album they played while we were there was WWF The Music Volume Five. No way. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Like it was
2: literally. (laughs)
3: i'm an ass man <laughs>
1: this is like so like literally lights went down and fucking motorhead trying to play the game started and me and my cousin like the the thing you do to rile 12 year olds up to the tits at that time is start playing wwf music yeah. it was really weird about like three songs in when uh we were running around shooting each other to kurt angle's theme
2: song oh, i was a four or five that has like all the really like heavy Acho Dare songs Maybe
1: it's four. Uh, four is the one that has, like, the DX song on it and stuff. Um, five is the one with uh, Taz's song, Time yeah, to Play the, the Game. Television. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kurt Angle. It's the one that has the really super racist rock Rap. song with Slick yes, Rick on it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, but Anyway, that's sorry. The one with him, him and the pie on the front of the yes. cover. Yes. Yeah, now, four is the one with, like, Mr. Ass and DX and... Stuff like that. Um, yeah. God.
1: Controversial take, always being a bigger fan of the Run DMC Remix DX. That's so good. Uh, compared to the normal DX. hmm Kings of Rock. Yeah.
2: Great time. It's
1: a great song. I'm just looking up, sorry, WWF The Music Volume 5 now just to see what. So what we had on that, uh, the track listing was the game. Oh my God, track two was rowdy. K quick then taz uh Lita's first song the it just feels yeah. right not the the screaming version from forcible entry um kane's normal song latino heat, oh my God, the one Billy guns it was song I've that it was all. On
2: that's what it was yeah uh
1: oh God, our favorite theme song what about me raven hmm uh China's theme song, which wasn't bad um Kurt Angle's team. Oh, Rikishi's "I'm a Bad Man." <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris Benoit's version one. The not the not our Lady Peace version. Du, 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 du. Oh, the uh, the second Too Cool song. Turn it up. Yeah, not as good as the first one. And then Pi I didn't realize Brian Gwirtz had a writing credit credit on Pi which I'm sure he's very proud of. Mm. Um, I'm sure you could yeah, you you could add him on Twitter so and weird. ask about it because that's all he seems mm. to do these days is reply on Twitter yeah um, but yeah, I just yeah, I just wanted to see uh, if you had any of those sense memory things um, to get more towards the WCW of it all, before we get into the show uh, I want to announce the arrival of our first Days of Thunder listener survey, which is available at, uh, the link is in the show notes and we'll be pushing it out on Patreon and on Twitter this week basically we just want to you know, we, we have great Chats with everybody on the Tweet Machine and in Discord and on Patreon. Um, but we don't really have a sense for what stuff everyone prefers over other stuff we do. Uh, we're thinking particularly of people who are current patrons at Peers.com, people who were patrons in the past... And people who are kind of, you know, maybe on the fence thinking about it, but they're waiting for the right show, the right idea to come their way. Um, We just kind of want to get a sense of we have ideas for shows that Mm. we think are good, but we don't know if we start doing that and people just aren't into it. We don't want to. The whole idea is we we have such immense respect and appreciation for the people who give us their coin uh, over on the Patreon. We want to make sure they're getting what they want rather than what we want to do. Um, there's definitely some sort of middle ground that can be struck uh, on there. So, like, if there's a particular show we're doing that people just aren't feeling, we want to know about it so we can rotate it out or retool it or something like that. So that's the point of the survey. should only take you about three, four minutes at most to fill out, um, and we'd really, really appreciate it if you did. The other thing... Related to that is we have two new ideas for shows that we're going to keep in the wings um, and kind of based on what people are telling us about the, the shows they do or don't like we may rotate one or both of them in mm. to the Patreon schedule um, and the firstly is an idea called Match Club and do you want to explain what that is?
2: So Match Club, Match Club is a thing that we used to do with a collection of our friends on Twitter um, obviously in the DMs and it would be basically every. Our, our original match club would be every week somebody would be drawn to select a match and we would all sit around. We would all watch the match over the base, the uh, period of a week, get together at a certain time and have a big long Twitter discussion about it. Now, our mm-hmm. match club is going to be slightly different. Our match club yep. will be Dave will select a match, I will select mm-hmm. a match, and we will have a listener selected match that yep. we will. Watch Sit down and watch And then discuss In kind of lengths What it's about What we enjoyed about What we did not yep. enjoy Etc mm-hmm. uh, And that'll be Match club Basically
1: Yeah and, and we have We have a couple of ideas For what we might do Like to To change that around Like I think sometimes It might be cool If people Again If people did want it That we might do The odd time Not I don't want to set up An expectation that we'll do it Every time But we might do A live match club mm. Uh, stream it on on YouTube or, or whatever. And by doing that, we might be able to get live input from the person who did the the listener-requested match. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be an idea. The other show idea we have, because this came out of... We got really positive feedback on... Uh, ironically, on our sold-out 97 show, which we just dropped uh, over at a large um that resulted in... Both of us, but mainly me, having a genuine crisis <laughs> during the recording of it about how bad it was. And it seems you absolute sadists out there really want us to watch more horrendous
2: stuff. It, it seems that Thunder hasn't been bad enough for uh, no, no for our listeners' taste. So now they want even worse for us.
1: Yeah. So uh, we came up with a slightly different version of Match Club called Trash Club. Uh, And what this is going to be is, like, periodically, me and Lee will uh, wade onto the Patreon. And we have some ideas. Um, But we are going to basically get together a list of worst matches, worst angles, or worst shows of all time. Um, We might, like, not put a couple of the very obvious ones on there, your Heroes of Wrestling. Because every podcast has done Heroes of Wrestling. I don't want to start off a series like that with Heroes of Wrestling maybe like if people really really wanted us to do Heroes of Wrestling maybe that's something we could do eventually same for December to Dismember I think December to Dismember will be one that we just keep putting in the Christmas show poll until it wins Uh, but we'll keep that off as well and kind of try to think a bit more outside the box in terms of horrible shows and the way we'll select what show or what match or what angle we're going to do is by virtue of spinning a wheel um, so that you and I don't know until the show is about to happen what we're going to have to endure. Uh, there's a randomizer element to it, to, to tra- uh, and we'll actually. I was going to say to throw tra- right.
2: in the WCW of us, WCW ness of it all. It's the old yeah. spin the wheel, make the deal.
1: Yeah, and we'll do whenever that show comes up. We'll do the. the the, the spin of the wheel on the free shows yes. uh, so people know what's coming up. Um, but yeah, that's just a little bit of um, what we're thinking coming into this listener survey, the stuff that we're going to rotate in if there's shows that people aren't feeling. Um, we also obviously have the long ruminating idea uh, that I think will be, it will be coming this year. It's just a matter of when I can get round to it, our um, our more kind of documentary type uh, audio production, uh, the Kingmaker, the McFoley Foley pod that I want to do.
2: That'll be a very, that'll be a kind of a longer term project as in... Yeah, because like, I... That could be like we do one episode now and then like six, seven months down the line we do another yeah. kind of in-depth episode. Because
1: I want it to be part narrative where I'm actually writing scripts and doing voiceover and pulling clips and stuff like that. I want to do a real fucking good job on it. Um, So that will be... Yeah, that'll be kind of your, I suppose, the equivalent uh, in this network is like a Jovember to remember yeah, yeah. Uh, thing. They're not coming out all the time, but it's it's definitely something I'm going to commit to getting at least the start of out this year. Um, but last thing of all is before we get to this episode of Thunder, we need to go up to the Days of Thunder Control Center and stagger Lee Malone
2: welcome back to the days of thunder control center where i will give you all a very quick rundown of what you can expect from us between the months of february and march on our free feed which if you're listening to this right now well then you know how to find us beginning on thursday the night of february we will have thunder episode 65 thunder episode 66 the go-home show for the great american bash will follow and then of course we will have a great american bash 1999 review Patreon.com forward slash WCW Thunderpod is where you want to go if you just can't get enough D.O.T. in your audio diet. Just $5 a month gets you access to our complete back catalogue, including our retro review series of Rehash of the Champions and Black and Golden Days, which cover the N.W.A. era Clash of the Champions and every era of Paul Levesque's vanity project known as NXT. And coming up this month, we will have a return of Days of Thunder at the Movies, and it's a very special awards season episode. Dave and I will be watching and reviewing The Listener Selected, the one and only starring a very young Henry Winkler. We will then also have another installment in our second series of TRL shows, and this month's show will be selected by our good friend Chris Damasceno. March will also have a TRL show as we will be reviewing the awesome Backlash 2008 selected by VOW's own Suit Williams and as well as Suit's TRL show in the month of March we will have a very special listener selected topic which we have no idea what will be yet over on a largemanappears.com and finally March means it's revolution time so of course The Days of Thunder pre-pre-show will be back once again, as we will be broadcasting live on YouTube for one hour before the revolution pre-show begins. All of this great content, plus show notes, access to both of our Match of the Year sheets, sneak previews and so much more. Patreon.com forward slash WCW Thunderpod, only $5 a month. And now we return you to your regularly scheduled podcast.
1: This is Thunder episode 65, the second show taped in Charleston, South Carolina, the 3rd of June 1999 getting a fairly disappointing 3.1 rating. We've been up in the mid to high 3s for a little while now, so 3.1 will definitely be a little bit of a wobbler for them. Um just to kind of before we get into like the, the kind of play by play on the show, Lee I thought for the second half of a double shot, I didn't hate this show.
2: No, I, I didn't hate the show either. I think it was, it wasn't necessarily good. Yeah. But like when when you consider it's the second half of a taping, it's um, very clearly they aren't sure of what exactly is going to be happening on Nitro. Yeah, so it's kind of like it is very much a holding pattern episodes. Mm. I I
1: think it does have a watchable quality to it that a lot of these ones don't.
2: It does because like if you look at the participants in the matches, it's all people in current storylines. Like match one, you have Bam Bam. Match two, you have Hugh Morris and Billy Kidman. Yeah. Match three, Buff Bagwell, who's been getting a push. Match four, Scott mm. Norton, he's in a feud. Five yeah. has the rap versus uh, country feud. Yeah. And match six is actually a pretty big main event. Yeah,
1: that I'm kind of surprised they gave away on Thunder. Like, I thought that on would at least tape, be a Nitro main event. Yeah. Um, so the main event tonight is uh, Ric Flair versus Chris Benoit. Um, which, again, they've been doing that storyline stuff of the, the, the horsemen have deserted Flair, mm. uh, with the exception of Aaron, obviously. It's
2: crumbled from within.
1: Yeah, so, I like, I thought... I, now, I wasn't going to think in a million years that this was going to be, like, a big pay-per-view match. Now, I would have made it one mm-hmm. if I had the book. But I wasn't under any illusions that this WCW would do that. But, like I said, I thought this would at least be a main or semi-main on one of the big Nitros that they do. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, they're never that far away from doing it, like... At Nitro in the Carolinas or Atlanta so why not have Flair in a prominent position on that show
1: this is what I would think this is what I would think Um, one thing I noticed in the intro to this show that I thought like god they really haven't given up the ghost on this is that Tanay still opens the show by describing how we're going to see the top superstars of both WCW and the NWO (sighs) even though there's only like four of them left and they're all dorks Mm -hmm. They're still trying. Um, They're
2: still trying. Yeah. Like, Kevin Nash is
1: is still in the NWO. Yeah, because it's incredible. I I think we've commented on this before, Lee, is that the gap, actually, between the NWO not being a thing anymore and NWO 2000 happening is a lot shorter than I remember.
2: Yeah, people think the NWO went away, like, very quickly in 1999.
1: It didn't. Yeah. Like, I like I said before, I'm pretty sure I'm watching at this stage because I'm starting to remember things on these shows. Um, Like, again, Lash LaRue and stuff like that, debuting, I feel like I was around for. Um, but I, in my head, my rose-tinted glasses, I don't remember the NWO being a thing. Now, obviously, like, maybe it's because I start watching around this time, and even though the NWO is mentioned, that there are still guys in NWO shirts relatively speaking they're very de-emphasized on the show compared to where they even were three months ago in wcw time
2: here's a a a point that isn't talked about like scott steiner is like a a mega pushed member of nwo 2000 yeah scott steiner never leaves the nwo in 1999 yeah like he's forever in the nwo black and white
1: yeah it's kind of crazy Uh, It really is. Like, do you think it's just a... Now, it could be some combination of both, but do you think it's more of a we're still selling these shirts things? Or do you think it's one of the flogging a dead horse, they only have three ideas thing? They
2: only have three ideas, and they just kept constantly going back to let's reform the NWO in spite of the NWO never going away.
1: Yeah, like... a conscious booking decision would be to put them in a put them on a shelf for a while. Mm. And then, like, I think the impact of NWO 2000 happening would be much bigger. And would probably, like, in terms of generating revenue, if you've just pulled all those NWO shirts for a year, and then they come back... Um, in a different colour. Yeah, think
2: it, I get it. Like, it's a, it's a new shirt, but it's the same old shirt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I guarantee... When they went away for a year because of Time Warner contracts, I bet those NWO shirts uh, in WWE sold like fucking gangbusters. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. Even though that was like, almost from minute one, it was dog but shit. But like,
2: even now, people will still buy the Wolfpack shirts, they'll still buy the NWO yeah. shirts on like, bootleg sites. I,
1: I've really thought about it since we started doing this podcast, like I've never owned an NWO shirt. Yeah, yeah. Um... But I'd like, I'd be tempted <laughs> just for the sake of nostalgia. But it's funny because was it, uh, was it Kylie Jenner or was one of the Jenners had a Wolfpack t-shirt? Um, Because there's this thing now where I've seen it like fashion influencers having uh, like, like old retro wrestling, wrestling shirts. t-shirts. I've seen
2: that, yeah, I think that was the thing like two years ago.
1: Yeah, there's a thing, like, um, I think of just for an an Irish point of view on it that, like, so I watch the, oh, what are they called? They used to be the Fact Channel. um, I can't even think of what they're called now. And I watch, I think it's the Tri Channel um, of all the, like, the Irish people, like, trying different things. Uh, yeah, the Tri Channel. And one of them is a an influencer, Kiro Doherty. And she showed up on one wearing the Stone Cold Steve Austin where he has the Cobras oh, yeah, for, for arms, or the Rattlesnakes yeah. for Arms, that t-shirt. And I was like, I haven't seen that t-shirt in 20 years, man. That's awesome. Um But yeah, like I I think they 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 kind of cut off their nose despite their face. They they couldn't let go of the NWO as a going concern, even though like long term it might have made them more cash mm-hmm. to put it away and not talk about it for a while. Um and have them come back slightly different, but you know whatever. Um, Nash has demanded the title match with Savage in ten days at the Bash, um, which I guess like in the out of control Reign of Terror Randy Savage thing, it it you know he got what he wanted, so that is storyline continuity. Um, you know Nash, who is a, a baby face at this point, is just furious that. Savage is not only repeatedly attacking him, but basically ruining every show. Um And he's just like, right, fucking fine, I'll fight you. Um, and then in a moment where I thought I got hit on the head and was having déjà vu all over again at the pay per view, Lee, we're getting Ric Flair versus Roddy Piper for control of the company. Are we? That's what it. That's what they said. Oh my God,
2: did did. We definitely did just watch that, didn't we?
1: Yes, yeah, we did. Yeah, I am so fucking sick of control of the company storylines, man. And
2: they're not going away.
1: I'm. Oh no, I know they're not. I'm so done. I am so so done with it. So like when he said that, I was just like, "Fuck you." <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it it is. On, it is on the pay per view. I just double checked oh, there. Yeah,
2: motherfuckers. Yeah. Why in 1999 are we doing a three-month-long Roddy Piper Rick Flair feud?
1: Would you want me to give you something that's uh, at least uh, will put a smile to your face?
2: It's under ten minutes.
1: On yes, it is. But on the pay-per-view, we have three teams we've been looking forward to. uh, That well, they are actively teaming, but they go by the names finally that we know that we kind of remember. So. Conan and Ray are officially the No Limit Soldiers uh at the pay-per-view.
2: To be fair, that's not the name I want them to be.
1: Yeah. No, no, we're but we're getting there. Uh the West Texas Rednecks have their name officially and the Jersey Triad yeah. are officially named. Uh, so that's that that's heartening at least. Oh, also, do you want to hear something else about this pay-per-view that you're going to really love? Yep. No, n- no match goes more than 11 minutes
2: Hell yeah <laughs> Bring on <DeRusso>. Yes.
1: yeah <laughs> honestly um yeah but i just just written in my note rick flair versus roddy piper for control of the company are you joking like because it is it like we literally just did this we literally do not even we have been doing variations of the control of the company thing for a long long time already on this show but we did literally did this exact match for that exact step I, I, a month ago
2: pretty sure we've talked about this before on the show like in 99 other than like Goldberg Ric Flair is probably still the biggest star WCW has to its native audience yeah and look at the shit they've put this man through in 1999
1: yeah yeah, it's it's a thing we've remarked on in spite of everything how over this guy remains until the death of the company. Mm-hmm. Fake heart attacks. Sorry,
2: Sting I forgot Sting. So Sting and Flair are probably like right around 1B, like level on 1B. Yeah. Fa- fake
1: heart attacks, um insane asylums. We have yet to get to him being buried in the desert.
2: Uh, but there
1: is a lot more shit to come with Ric Flair we've
2: never really gotten an explanation for why Asia's with him
1: no Uh, nor uh, will I encourage you to hold your breath for said explanation
2: no because I'm pretty sure by the next pay-per-view cycle she's with that other new group that's coming
1: yes um but more on that and on uh our first match bam bam biglow versus scotty riggs uh larry got a good pop out of here by calling bam bam Bigelow old firehead which i can't believe that wasn't his
2: gimmick that would have got over like rover um larry on this show is fucking horrendous and i think it's because he's trying he's actively trying but he is so bad
1: um, this is what I, I think I was in the, um, was it this show or was it the last show? No, it was the last show, wasn't it? Where I was in the discord talking about how like I couldn't believe that, uh, Larry paid attention for a whole match. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was trying, he wasn't trying in the way to be like a serious commentator trying. He was trying to be Bobby Heenan trying. yeah what, Um, and there's again, with that approach, there's a couple of gags that land, and I'm, I'm not going to lie about that, but for every joke that lands, there's about 15 that don't. And he just talks
2: um, and talks and talks.
1: Yeah. And says nothing. And it's that, it's that he interjects and while he has the floor, he just goes on streams of consciousness and and then trails off and today is like well be that as it may and then goes yeah, back to what they were actually exactly. supposed to be
2: talking about like there's one instance in the flare by Wall match that just uh, I've just stuck in my brain where Larry has to be talking for a good minute minute and a half and he stops and today just goes so what you're saying is he he's earned that name the dirtiest player in the game <laughs> and it's just like he's just yeah
1: Editing him live on the oh air. Oh
2: my god! It's
1: and not even live on the air because the other thing that makes this is inexcusable is that this is the taped commentary edition. So they could have reedit. They could have redone any of these matches in the booth. No, nope. they literally sat in the booth for ninety minutes and just told Larry yeah. Phil ninety minutes. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to see, um, and this is one of my early memories of an infamous we're trying to do something WWF kind of did angle where a loose septic service happens uh, we get to see a bit of that later which is obviously we've had the at this point in the timeline we've had the beer bash we have and we've had we've had uh, I think we had Zamboni 316 already at this point as well that
2: would have been May so yeah that would have made sense yeah
1: so we're trying to do the thing where the babyface world champion does something chaotic uh, to the heel uh, like that. And uh, yeah, loose septic service. We'll talk a bit about that later. To it, yeah. yeah. Uh, today casually drops in this. I don't know if you missed it. Um, that Bam Bam and DDP are tag champions yeah. now. Um, okay. Because. As well, I forgot this is a tape show, so obviously he wasn't going to come out with the belt because I guess they made this decision. So we talked about it on the last couple of shows that Raven is gone now. Apart from one house show around this time,
2: he's he's gone. Yeah, so they they, they so, talk about it on commentary that uh, DDP and Bam Bam were basically taking out the competition on Nitro. They took out yeah. Raven before he even got into the arena and they took out Malenko. I think it was. Yeah. So... Yeah, so, raven, yeah. Ra- so Raven's raven gone bye-bye.
1: Yeah, so they're the champs now, but like, hey, as far as combos for champs, you can do a lot worse than Bam Bam and Page. so that that's good. Cool. I, I will say, I think they adjusted on the fly pretty well. Yeah, like this is obviously best case scenario. You have them go over in a big championship match on a pay-per-view or a build to it on a Nitro, but they, they were kind of tied by circumstances. This would here.
2: make sense because it was pre-Nitro. Don't say things like this would make sense. Sorry, <laughs> non kayfabe. This would make sense. Yes, because yes. it was pre nitro that Eric Bischoff gave his nobody in this business is a draw. Yeah, and if you don't, yeah. if you don't want to be here, I'll give you a release. And that's when Raven stood up and went, "Well, I don't want to be here." Yeah, well, I don't want to be and here. And that's that's <laughs> when he got so obviously the getting put in a dumpster was the write off. Yeah,
1: something I'd actually like to hear, just as a kind of nice send-off to Raven, do people want us to cover his return angle to ECW? I want us to cover his return when, angle to ECW. When it happens, do you want to do that as a one-off special? Isn't that the Because same. I feel like the way he did... The way he disappears because of the, again, he goes, well, I don't want to be here. Um, We don't ever get a proper Raven send off. And because he's like, he's been our dude for, for most of his run. Like we are the, we are the, the Raven revivalists. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, here's something we should have brought up before the show.
2: Uh, (laughs) Raven and Ron Reese reunited on impact last week. (laughs) As I said on Twitter. Scott D'Amore is a man of taste. Fuck the NWO. Bring back the flock. I I have a feeling that our,
1: our good friend of the show, Gar Kidney, pulled the strings there. Definitely doesn't book the show. Uh,
2: the original,
1: original large man appears, appeared. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge, huge pop. Huge, huge pop. Um... But yeah, uh, let us know if you want us to do that Raven return into ECW bit. Because I know, yeah, like you said, uh, you and me would be chomping at the bit to do that. Like it's, it was a him and Dreamer against the Dudleys, wasn't it? It
2: was. I'm just pulling it up on. He
1: returns to save Tommy. I'm
2: pulling it up on Cage Match. If you just give me. One, one of minute. the
1: genuinely, one of the biggest reactions you'll hear. Um. I was actually only listening. Speaking of big ECW reactions, I was only watching that. You know the the hand cam footage of Scott Hall showing up at ECW. Hmm. Like how is that, Somebody said this um, on Twitter. I I uh, I don't want to misattribute it, so I won't say who. But somebody did say it recently. It's like how with all the fucking money that was wasted on like buffer and all these things in WCW, did they not license Ready or Not? I know. Here I come. Like, the, how are you not giving the Fujis the call uh, for the last
2: couple of years at WCW? It's fucking Especially, scandalous. wasn't the thing that, like, Wycliffe John was, like, a huge wrestling fan? Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. um, Sorry, ECW on TNN. Number two, it was taped on the 26th of August 1999 and aired on the 3rd okay. of September. Okay,
1: so we have a few months to put that in the, the schedule uh in our timeline um because i don't want to get to it out of chronology because there will be men who have left ecw and come the yeah. other way by then uh so i don't want to do that but yeah when we get to it i i'd be really interested in doing it I'm much more interested like i think we're committed now because people have said they'd like to hear us talk about just the in isolation the the owen tribute match so i think we'll put that on the calendar for later in the year because they don't do the tribute match for several no. months i think it's is it october
2: no october is the the pay-per-view is the the tournament match that's okay so i'm pretty sure the own matches like june June or july
1: oh okay well i need to get um i need to get that on our Mm -hmm. schedule because we will do just that match um but yeah, I suppose, what, what did you think of this, the, like, Scotty Riggs is at nothing at the moment.
0: Yeah.
1: But, um, I don't think he was the worst guy to go against, um, to go against Bam Bam either. Because he is, like, he's not a big name, but he's, uh, he's a name. Oh no, it's October 4th, 1999. Oh It's really? the tribute match. On
2: Nitro, yeah. Wow, okay, I thought it was a lot sooner That's than that. That's what it says here. Yeah. So when was the pay-per-view? The pay-per-view must have been November then.
1: That month, yeah, it must be November because then Starcade is December, and that's ah, the end of Brett.
2: that's what it is. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. What did you think of this pairing? Because I thought like even though Scotty Riggs isn't up to much, he's still like somebody that he's not absolutely a nobody for Bam Bam to
2: run through. I think Bam Bam sold way too much for. For Rigs, yeah, that's the only thing. Is I it? thought this match went way too long for for a guy it, that's getting a semblance of a push and bammer I I thought it was going to be a two minute match because
1: it started off with like all rigs on offense and then Bam Bam just grew, just, beasted mm-hmm. him like and started wearing him down with sleepers and stuff like that. I thought, all right, okay, no, here we go. It's gonna be over quickly. He just kind of gave him thirty seconds out of res- like respect or whatever. Um. It, Larry, Larry did have a good line in here. He's like, I'd rather get drafted to Vietnam than be get brought to Asbury Park by Bam Bam Bigelow.
2: Um, uh, what, what They do say that Raven's still in hospital as well during that period. Yes, yeah, I, I like that uh, they were talking about, you know, the success of the flock post-Raven, including Raven having success post-flock. Um, yeah. And they talk about, you know, how Riggs kind of hasn't lived up to his potential or whatever. And Larry, just out of nowhere, shits all over Kidman going... Yeah, but he's been successful at the Cruisers.
1: Yeah, yeah. Shit's on Gidman and the Cruisers all in one. Thanks, Larry. Um, They go outside for a moment, and when they get back in, Scotty misses a corner splash. Uh, Bam Bam does his, like, um, his dropping headbutt. Um, It's, (laughs) yeah. Um, Another Larry line that did get me during this was, it's got to be intimidating when you see a guy come at you with a head like a 57 Chevy. (laughs) <laughs> which I thought was a, That's a good one I I You're shaking your head But I like that uh, Running corner splash From Bam Bam He goes for a second Riggs fights him off Hits a Famouser, mm. uh Goes for a top rope dive Bam Bam punches him Clean out of the air Which is one of my Favourite things in wrestling uh, Hits the greetings From Asbury Park And wins um, And then Larry With a, another one That fell flat Just as the segment ends I think you'd take Less of a beating If you just went Straight to Atlantic City Instead Um, just naming all the places you know in Jersey, Larry. Good man. Uh, Nitro and the angle you mentioned before. Raven getting jumped by Paige and Bigelow. Uh, do you know what's one of the weirdest sights in wrestling, Lee? I think you know what I'm going to say here, because I think I might have mentioned it before. Bam Bam Bigelow in street clothes. (laughs) And you're... That man... Much like Pac, that man should be in his gear regardless of context.
2: I think you're going to see a lot more of him in street clothes over the next little while. Yeah, he's just in a
1: like a nice, smart, casual shirt, and I didn't like it. I, I, it, it felt very. Isn't it at to this me. point
2: where his like his ring gear changes to like just plain trousers yeah. and it's like just a black top? Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's
1: weird. Um. Uh, it's, Saturn finds out uh, what has happened, and him, him and Canyon are fuming. They agree to defend the belt together, but the Jersey lads find and take out Canyon. Well, no, uh, the, the camera yeah.
2: cuts to Canyon taken out. You don't see yes. Canyon being taken, yes. out, taken out. Crucially.
1: Fast forward, and Canyon returns from the hospital to
2: save Saturn, uh, but he eats one yes. punch. So th- this is what I mean by I bend. think they pivoted well. Because yes. the whole thing they were teasing was that Canyon these were his boys, but he's very much with Saturn and Raven. Yeah,
1: and again, like you said about
2: the pivoting well,
1: the only other person he has established lengthy history with in this is company page, is Paige. Yeah.
2: like the, going back, the to thing
1: was like he, the big feud that started. Thunder yeah, her. he
2: always wanted to be with Raven. Saturn didn't trust him. He earned Saturn's trust. Now the three of them are back together. Now that Canyon's back, yeah. they win the tag belts. And instantly, they do that kind of lingering look to Paige and Bam Bam. Yeah. You,
1: you also have that thing the running thing about Canyon is that he's just like, he is susceptible to follow people. Mm-hmm. He's never been his own man, really. Because he was with James Vanderberg at the start of Thunder, and Raven manages to convince him to kind of come over eventually, even
2: though he didn't know what he looked like did know what he looked mm-hmm. like. Um,
1: and then he's the first to run back to Raven after the flock dissolves. Um, and now, you know, he's found a more persuasive person. Yes. Uh, so I, I definitely like that little bit of continuity as well. It is, it is one of the better, fuck, we have to change something. How do we pivot? Now, I will say they're held by, I think some of these plates were already... Spinning. Yes. I think we were we're probably heading towards this, maybe not this quickly, but I think this was in the offing
2: already. I I think this would have been the long term direction anyway, and you have Saturn and Raven chasing this trio. Mm. But that's why it's always good in wrestling to not just book what's the next thing this guy
1: is doing, but book like two things Mm. ahead. Think of the context because then if plans change, you still know what your next step is and you can try to find another way to get there rather than, oh shit, we have to throw the baby out with the yeah, bathwater.
2: But, but it's interesting considering where Saturn goes from here You know, Yeah, yeah, uh,
1: for his remaining time. Uh, Saturday night tease and we've got Buff, Rick Steiner, Kidman, Fit Finley, and Brian Nobbs. Another flashback to Nitro, Hugh Morris and Kidman getting interrupted by Brian Nobbs and the hardcore trash can um in amongst this i'm not entirely sure his involvement in the segment but hack also gets killed uh he's he's there um and then we get a singles match billy kidman versus hugh morris with jimmy hart um morris jumps kidman at the bell it feels like we haven't got a wcw match start in a while but there (laughs) we go uh kidman gets a sea legs but jimmy tries to attack him outside and distract him inside uh, and he's got to go take him out, but that gives Morris a chance to get the heat. Uh, from that point, it's a lot of Hugh Morris. Unfortunately, um, he does a little bit of a comeback after a missed corner splash, which I thought was interesting uh, in terms of like uh, agents not talking to each other again. That the impetus for a comeback in two successive matches is the same spot. They don't care. Uh, yeah, no, they don't. They don't. But you know, st- like still, I I noticed this. I pointed out. <laughs> Um, Kidman hits the ropes But Morris Follows him to the ropes And clotheslines him out of the ring I do love that spot When a guy Follows the run of Somebody into the ropes And clotheslines him over I I love that bit Uh, Kidman rolls away From the middle rope Elbow uh, Hits a sliced bread But gets cleared out With a clothesline then Uh, Of course He does the Kidman Powerbomb reversal um, Goes up top For the shooting star press But Nobbs is out And crotches him Bell rings uh, Nobbs hits A pump handle slam Elbow drop From Kidman uh, but oh yeah, then he does the fucking pity city, which is like fucking hell. You want to talk about like outdated shtick? Uh, no laughing matter. But then Hack comes out and the kendo stick, and he clears house, but moments too late because Kidman's already dead. Yeah, um, I thought this was a perfectly acceptable match until the the end.
2: I mean, look, it's Morris and and Kidman, and as much as we fucking hate Hugh Morris, and he hasn't been good, like he's he's competent. At the best of times, in the ring Yeah, he he's a good base here for Kidman. I and think. Kid Kidman is very much on the run of his career to this point. Um, yeah. So yeah, look, it's fine. Uh, I think there's way too much fucking Brian Nobbs on this show. There's way look if Brian Nobbs is on a show at all, it's too much Brian um, Nobbs in 1999. Um, yeah, like you talked about there, Pity's like fucking doing that shit like in 1999. Like, mm-hmm. come on.
1: Um, I know we mentioned it during that very brief Nasty Boys run at the start of Thunder. Um, But, like, you're somebody who definitely has a lot more opportunity to have nostalgia for the Nasty Boys. Like, I never had that, so I was always over them as a thing. I think it just, it's so fucking dated. But I'm sure, even though you had a bit of nostalgia for Sags and Knobs mm. last time, this time Uh, it's just... Wit, like he, fe- he feels like a complete fucking relic in a way that like a lot of the other guys from that period that have come in like tweaked something to like seem if not like fully modern at least not as like plucked out of a different mm-hmm. era of wrestling like I think particularly of people like Rick Rude when he showed up Kurt Hennig mm-hmm. as well like he wasn't full he wasn't full Mr. Like,
2: Perfect he's Kurt Hennig
1: yes do you know what i mean like there's a lot of guys like that you can point to that i was like they did enough to like decartoonify their gimmick but like knobs just reminds you of a time that we've all thankfully moved on from in wrestling not that like the hulkamania era doesn't have its place and wasn't over or anything like that but like even fucking hulk himself has like knew when to change stuff up and when to put stuff on the shelf, so that when he comes back mm-hmm. in the red and yellow, eventually it gets a huge nostalgia pop. Whereas knobs just never changed Yeah,
2: knobs is still coming out there in his fucking nasty boy t shirt,
1: like still talking about being nasty all the fucking yeah. time. It's just,
2: it, yeah, no fucking fucking Brian knobs. Um, yeah, the the weird thing at the end with Hack, it's like I was sure Hack missed his cue. Because Kidman gets killed with the uh, no laughing matter. Yeah. But then Hack just canes him anyway at the end of it as well. He he, he literally yeah. hits Kidman with the cane.
3: What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. And I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. It's Eufy. And let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Eufy Video Smart e three.
2: So maybe yeah. he didn't. Yeah, but yeah. Who's who's to say?
1: Uh, our our next match is Brian Adams with Vincent versus Buff Bagwell. Uh, again, another match that I think maybe should have gone about half the time it did. Like you're trying to establish Buff as a kind of like a hot baby face now, and one thing we will say to their credit, like the crowd are definitely. Oh, they into are. It. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely over uh, as hell. They haven't fucked it up yet. Um and he starts off proper House of Fire stuff um, and I thought again this is another match that if this lasted 90 seconds and he just squash Brian Adams perfect you've done a great job here because like what is Brian Adams worth
2: yeah in 1999 ni- in you know? what is NWO member Brian Adams yeah. bringing to the table
1: especially because he's about to and I can't remember if it's because of like they just bench him storyline wise or he's, he gets injured again um, but like he's about to go away until chronic mm-hmm. So, like, there is no, there is nothing. He doesn't lose anything because he's so low on the totem pole that you can just beat him like a drum, and it doesn't matter. Um, it can only harm Buff, The more competitive
2: this matches, what what did you think of uh, today mentioning that the WCW young young talent are starting to get frustrated at the older talent holding on to their spots. Uh, the only thing the only
1: comment of on that I have it was. Starting to mm-hmm. <laughs> like this has been the case for several years um but yeah like it's funny that even it's hard to tell sometimes at this company because like it is a 50 50 shot that like nash is telling them feeding him this line uh on commentary while he's still the booker and then half, like, today is actually annoyed and wants to get it out there. And there's definitely no quality control in WCW that anyone would have spotted that line before
2: it made well, air. Well, it, it's absolutely a storyline because Malenko mentions it in his promo with Flair. Um, yeah. So I just find it interesting that Kevin Nash, Booker Supreme Kevin Nash, who has been a world champion since 1994. Um, yeah is now in 1999 saying, ah, oh, all us young talent are really frustrated at the older talent. It's, yeah, uh, it's incredible
1: mental gymnastics, right? To to be self-aware enough to know that young talent are frustrated and to make it an angle, but not self-aware enough to realise you're you, part you of the problem. You are part
2: of the problem, yeah. It, it's amazing. It's just fucking, it's Kevin Ash being Kevin Ash, man. It's just his him taking another shot yeah. at Hogan while he's not there. Get your
1: uh, Wrestling Observer Booker of the Year Chiron ready uh, for a, a Nash here. Um, Buff has uh, new white babyface gear. Does. What, do, what do you think of that? It,
2: uh, it, it's not bad. I, mean, it, I, I can see the appeal of uh, Buff showing up in his white gear. Um, one thing I did notice, mm. Buff still has the top yeah. hat. And the top, the top he hat still says NWO. Yeah.
1: He needs to get that resprayed uh, in a hurry, mm. I'm afraid. That's it. And and um, you know
2: what? That's the difference between WWF and WCW. He would never have been allowed mm. to go to the ring with that hat on if it was the WWF. Because for all his faults, you know Vince micromanaged the shit out of stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and given the time as well, you still had people like Cornette backstage mm-hmm. producing stuff, and like even if it got by Vince, it was not getting by Corny. Yeah, exactly. Um. Again, for all his faults. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know. Um. So, uh, Adams is getting really frustrated, and the crowd is really getting behind. Oh. Um, Sorry, I, I just Sorry. thought of it. There.
2: Did you see that? La- was it last week? Was it the last week or the week before? AEW officially outlasted Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I did
1: see, and I know this is a big source of glee to you because you'd love to poke the bear <laughs> on the tweet machine. I
2: didn't tweet it. I didn't retweet it or anything. You
1: didn't. Yeah, you certainly thought about I, it.
2: Yeah, look, I'm I'm limiting my Twitter use these days.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: for the betterment I've of us ro- all.
1: I, for the betterment of my phone. I've anyway, I've rolled
2: them all up once. Twitter yeah. is half broken anyway.
1: Yeah, screw up. <laughs> um. So yeah, we uh, Adams has the heat when they went to break, but the crowd is getting really behind Buff after the break as he's sitting in a bear hug. Uh, Adam slams him down for a two count. Um, what's What's funny is I get a sense of real buyers remorse with with Buff Lee, and I think it's. WCW are now really regretting that they had a chance to make the neck injury thing a proper babyface turn when he came yeah. back. And turning him so heel quickly with Scott after his comeback, they really regret doing that. And they should regret oh, he, doing he that. Was,
2: he was Red Hawk coming back. And they just, they couldn't resist it. They had to do the heel turn. Yeah.
1: But now they're back to overemphasizing the neck injury in a way that not that they're fully trying to pretend that the heel turn didn't happen, but they're definitely trying to have a do-over of like, this is his defining sympathetic trait mm-hmm. now. Uh, the neck injury. Like we had, remember last week where it only occurred to them at the last minute to mention that he they were doing the neck injury thing again in the same place that the neck injury happened. Yeah. Um, And since then, I think all his matches have had the, the neck, neck injury angle to them. over, yeah um yeah and again like they probably would have been really on to something now like i'm not saying that he like because again the quality of his work really suffered because of that neck injury but in terms of like overness like he would not have been out of place in a main event at this stage had they kept the momentum of how over he
2: was when he came back if he if he had been one of the guys to stand up and oppose the nwo at the peak of it of its powers kind of thing um, if he'd
1: come back and blown through Scott Steiner mm-hmm. like it it wouldn't have hurt Scott one oh, iota Scott was, in 99 Scott was
2: still going to be the guy like um, yeah
1: but if he had blown through him to establish that baby face that like maybe then Scott would get his win back later as like the dastardly heel I, I, like that can be his last big win before he's a world title contender mm-hmm. but uh, you know they can't see the forest for the trees like they Again, no, we're getting our we're getting our NWO guy over the guy we like over. Fuck everyone yeah, else. They, they, um, they
2: couldn't see past Scott Steiner to see what they had with Buff coming back as like the, the mm. triumphant babyface. And yeah, you, you mentioned the deer. His work suffered so badly because because of the neck injury. I don't think that there's yeah. any question about that. Um, yeah, but. I don't think it's like, I I
1: don't think for one second, and I think there is a point towards the end and it it happens to everybody where they all start to give up on the Uh WCW project and they're all just phoning it in. But I don't think looking at Scott since he's returned from the neck injury, I don't get the feeling he's trying to phone it in. I just get the feeling that his body can't do what he wants it to do.
2: He's not quite the athlete he was post-injury and he's still kind of working through that. But the point I was going to make is at this point in 1999, I don't think that matters all that much because if he's as over as he was, no. it would have been fine and it would have worked. So you can kind of get to a certain level with his ring walk where it was, yeah. and they just, like you say, they they very much it does very much feel like they are trying to retcon his return.
1: I I think, um, yes, it's not an era of the workhorse. So, I think you can absolutely have gotten him as high as you wanted him with him having to be good anymore. Uh, But yeah, like they are, it's interesting to see the ways, and it's something I'm going to keep note of how they're doing that with him. Um, So, uh, we nearly had uh, a horrifying moment where Adams nearly loses buff when he lifts him for a backbreaker, nearly drops him and kills him. Larry interestingly you know as part of this rehabbing angle Larry says there's a whole history of doctors saying wrestlers careers are over and they come back even stronger citing and I think very importantly to think about the people both being compared to here he specifically he specifically mentions Ric Flair and the plane crash Mm -hmm. so he talks about Ric Flair broke his back should never have wrestled again and he's the greatest world champion uh, in history arguably and like, this isn't, I, I don't for a second think this is a free association thing. I think this is a deliberate buff can still be among the greats. Please don't yeah. write him off. Cause he had this career shortening uh, injury. Um, Vincent gets a cheap shop, in, cheap shot in on the outside while Adams is talking to the ref. Larry says, Vincent is haunting the ringside area, which I thought was a strange turn of phrase. Uh. Adams off the top misses a knee drop Buff ducks ducks a couple of clotheslines hits swinging neck breaker. lovely uh, crossbody lariat uh, Buff starts doing his strut I do love the Buff yes. strut
2: somebody somebody the, it's one of the
1: that. it's one of the better struts in, in history um, running forearm into the corner that clocks Mickey J Lee describe this chair oh shot that Vincent gets a chair describe this Now, bear in mind, everybody, as Lee goes to paint your word picture, Vincent is the worst at everything ever. (laughs) Now continue.
2: That's saying a lot when there's somebody else called Vincent in the the world today. That's probably worse. There there is no
1: constituent element of the art of pro wrestling at which Vincent isn't in the absolute
2: bottom tier of all time. I, I question whether this man understood how a chair worked like the way he holds this chair is so ass backwards like i i Maybe... genuinely don't think he knows what way these things go it'd be one of those things where like if he um
1: if it was one of the weapons that has only come back into vogue in the 90s like if he was having to swing a kendo stick i'd be like right fair enough like he did, he wasn't raised on the kind of wrestling where kendo sticks were yeah, used yeah cuz you the know time. those
2: people that will like do a kendo stick shot the way Triple H would do a sledgehammer shot with the hand over the yes. end.
1: Yeah. Or, um, I was thinking about this recently. I mentioned earlier on. I started listening to Joe to remember mm. from the start. And he was talking about how, like, really, until Sabu, people had stopped doing Tablespots, table yeah. spots for yeah. years with a couple of exceptions, and then Sabu brought it back. So, like, if Vincent fucked up a table spot, I'd be like, fair enough. If he fucked up a ladder spot, I'd be like, fair enough. Like, he's out of his depth. A fucking chair, though. Like, it's the most fundamental foreign object in wrestling with the, like, maybe it's right up there with, like, the ring bell and the belt. Of t- you know what I mean? things if you that if you, are always
2: ringside, no matter where you are.
1: If you fuck up any of those three things, I'm sorry, like, what? What the so fuck? he's
2: holding the chair is it upside down? Yeah. And he
1: proceeds to... He's he's holding it like he's just taken a tray out of the oven. <laughs> you know like at arm's length out so it doesn't by God touch him. So
2: he's holding it with the purpose of Adams um, bringing Buff towards him or hmm. throwing Buff into the chair. I'm not quite sure. I don't think Vincent is quite sure to be honest. Yeah. And obviously, buff reverses. There, there's been a ref one by this point. Um,
1: yeah, I mentioned that Mickey yes, J's down um, from the corner spot.
2: both reverses. Um, Vincent doesn't swing the chair. He doesn't quite move the It's very odd.
1: He places the chair upon yeah. the man's back.
2: And it, it's like the, the strangest looking thing. Um, like Like you said. It's probably the worst chair shot in the history of the business. Yeah. Um, I mean, this was no Sami Zayn, Roman Reigns.
1: No. Oh, God. You, the greatest angle of yeah. all time.
2: Um, like, you know how Roman Reigns took that chair shot the way he took the same chair shot yeah. from, from R- Ke- Seth Rollins where the shield broke up? Ke- look, look, it's a tired,
1: because by the time this comes out, it's nearly two weeks since the Rumble. It's a fucking tired thing about this, right? It's a good storyline, but everybody is showing their fucking arses on this in a big, big way. You mean you didn't cry? No, no. Now, like, right, I I see... Because I've seen the thing go back and forth, and, like, I did listen to the flagship talk about it. I thought Joe and Rich, like... I think maybe they oversold the badness of the rest of the angle. I think, like, the the, totality of the, the bloodline thing is better than they... Like, I know they're hamming it up for comedy value. It is slightly better than they let on. At the same time, people who act like this is fucking theater are out of their fucking minds. Like absolutely out of their minds people say this is the greatest angle in the history of sports and stuff like this do you know what I've been watching a lot of the last two weeks Lee I mentioned on my other podcast so I didn't want to take up time uh, talking about it too much on this I've been watching Formula One Drive to Survive that's right? great drama which it's uh, this is what I'm, I was going to say I'm like I, I don't give a scuttering shit about Formula One and within one season of that documentary I'm like I th- the season starts in March like if I get all these watched like I, I might tune in for year. qualifying in Bahrain
3: <laughs> I <the> right <laughs> I,
1: I'm i I'm really like and that's like making angles out of stuff that really happened
2: I, you know what I, you I, know really what I mean I the tennis one
1: yeah oh well you see I already like tennis so that's not gonna you're not gonna have to talk me into the building I, like, on
2: that I, I was sitting at home the last week and I was looking at it yeah. I was like oh, I'm gonna put it on and I was like no because if I put it on I'm gonna watch it and then I'm going to want to watch yeah. tennis. And the the other thing that I think uh,
1: Joe and Rich nailed that people don't talk about enough. And I think it's because, you know, everybody says now, like a lot of the brain worms WWE people have given up the ghost on, like, they're not going to argue anymore that in any way it's superior wrestling mm-hmm. to the likes of an AEW or a New Japan or anything like that. So that's the thing that people overlook when they talk about this as being Shakespeare. One thing that, like, Wrestling storylines wrestling angles like have to have is like the matches have to deliver for it to go over the top for me into all timer territory, and the thing is like as great and like genuinely some of these segments and angles and promos have been fantastic, particularly since Zami Zayn joined that whole situation right um the matches have almost never delivered. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever about, like, you know, there was the, like, the crazy final match with Brock and Roman. Yes, that way, that delivered. Um, some of the, like, the Usos are an excellent tag team. So, like, some of their tag team matches have really hit. Uh, Sami Zayn is one of the greatest professional wrestlers of his generation. But, the, the, the El Jefe himself, uh, the Roman Reigns, a lot of his matches are really fucking boring until you go to the finishing sequence and there is no getting round that. Like, somebody pointed out this week, this is going to be his seventh, I think, WrestleMania main Seven. event match. Of which I was in... I was live in person for one of them. And the only memory I have in my head of any of them is when Seth Rollins cashed in.
2: Yeah, because that's the best In one. that...
1: The, that's the best one, and it had nothing to do with him. It was the best one because we all thought he was going to win and we were spared <laughs> by Seth Rollins. Uh, so, like Yeah, I just I just needed to have that moment there. Um What even reminded me of that? How did we start? Uh Vincent Chairshot. Oh, with the the chair shot, yeah, because the chair shot angle at the run. Then- yeah. I just I, I just needed to get that off my chest because it's like people are fucking. Ah, oh, Jesus! They're out of their fucking minds on this. Seriously, have a critical
2: fucking thought in your head. Watch actual
1: drama. So, so you,
3: for so fuck's after sake. the show's
2: over, you don't want to read my fanfic about uh, how how Sammy and Roman fall
1: in love. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right. So yesterday I went to the cinema and watched Knock at the Cabin, the new <sighs> M. I. Alaman movie that has Dave oh, Bautista yeah, yeah. in it. Three and a half star film. Like I, I may never watch it again, but I had great fun while I was there. Infinitely more compelling dramatic performances in that show or in that in that movie. <laughs> fuck off
2: with your greatest of all time bollocks. <laughs> Nothing can be the greatest of all time and Cardi Graves and fucking Pat McAfee are screaming in your fucking ear about it. I don't care. Um. Yeah. Also, fuck that company. It- um. Yeah. So. Uh, after the chair shot, we get a fucked up finish where yeah. Buff pins Adams, but Adams proceeds to kick out.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. What the fuck happened here? Mickey, like, Mickey J has clearly fucked Mickey this Jay up.
2: Mickey J calls for the bell. Buff's music yeah. starts to play. Adams proceeds to beat the shit out of Buff because he's not happy about this. So, Mickey J just decides, well, you know what? The match hasn't ended, so let's just keep going. Yeah. They absolutely should have called an audible, right? And just left it in
1: there. Yeah. Like, this... The thing that I couldn't believe watching this go... Like, they obviously... Because they're establishing the blockbuster. And this is, I think, the main reason why they continued. Is they had to hit the blockbuster and have that be the finish. Um, which they get to in about 30 seconds or so. The thing that absolutely blows my mind in terms of why they bothered... This was taped. They could have spliced this together and we didn't have to see the fuck finish. But they kept the fuck... Like... One, because it's taped, they just didn't have to show us any of this. They didn't have to show the match. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? If it got fucked up. Two, they could have just proceeded on as they did and edited out the part that was fucked.
2: They just didn't. Yeah, that's WCW for you.
1: Yeah. um, And like, it easy, because it was a taped show, you could have gone backstage and just gone, right, let's get somebody else out there for a five minute match to fill this or get Buff out to wrestle someone else. Anyway. Nitro. The fans were bait and switched on a Nash versus Savage match as a fake Savage in a dress no, came out. A well, fake Nash yes. in a dress came out. Savage beats him down. Uh, gorgeous George does a like for everything that we said about her over the ring at the pay-per-view, the Savage elbow that she dropped here was very bad. Oh, um but I will say uh style points because she did it in a ball gown. That is so true. that that adds difficulty. I, I will give that's her the, that, that. That's the away old
2: diving level of difficulty thing, isn't
1: it? Yeah. What's really funny, in a classic, like, we're just going to set that immediately ignore stipulations, Flair had yeah, banned the, the elbow drop. And,
2: like, he had banned it that night. And then Gorgeous George does it. And then Savage does yeah, it. So the the setup was, as Gorgeous George is going for the elbow, the comment, uh, Shivani is like, oh, well, Ric Flair has banned the uh, macho elbow. So, Savage yeah. is distracting the ref while she hits it.
1: Yeah. Although, it would have been a cool little angle if they'd done the thing where George does it and then George gets suspended, and you have going into the Nash Savage match that he's getting, like, the women suspended, who are yeah. his biggest advantage are being taken away. Mm-hmm. I thought that would have been a cool little angle. Doesn't seem to be what no, they're doing here.
2: She just did it. And then, then he, he, just he decided fucking did to do it. do it anyway. Yeah.
1: Just couldn't help himself. He was gonna
2: go. I think he was gonna do the either the the jackknife or a pile driver, and then he just went, "Ah, yeah. fuck it!" I'm gonna slam him and do the elbow.
1: I'm. I'd be interested to know if that was the plan that he was just supposed to do it already with it being banned, or no, he just he like just not fully went into business for himself, or he just like he just got hyped up because he's Randy Savage and he's in front of a live crowd. and He's like, "I do the elbow." So I think that's what do. it
2: was. I think he just went, "No, it's my move, so I'm doing it." Fuck, fuck this storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, an interesting flashback.
1: Uh, crowd did. This is the other thing. That Nitro, I was almost perversely interested in going back to look at because it sounded like that crowd was fucking dead yeah. on that show. Um. Now there was some weird sound mixing issues because there are bits on the show where they cut back to like promos and stuff on Nitro, and you can barely mm-hmm. hear them. So I wonder if maybe the crowd was a little hotter. But anyway, next match. Uh, I was briefly excited and then got brought right back down to fucking earth. Um, Scott Norton versus the returning Silver King. We love we a Silver love, King appearance yeah, yeah. on this show.
2: Big fans of Silver King.
1: God bless him. Uh, unfortunately, do you know who isn't a big fan of Silver King? Scott Norton. Scott Norton just beats up this man. <laughs> this is this is like prime. Like Rick Steiner is definitely going through this thing where he's just roughing people up. Uh, interesting, by the way, that like... We didn't see anything about the cage match on this show. I was expecting yeah replays a go-Go. I have no idea what happened. Like again, I'm not going to look at the Nitro because maybe next
2: week on Thunder, like signers on it. I so don't do you know. not remember? <laughs> what happens? Nope. Okay, so basically, they get into this this cage, if you want to call it that, and uh, Tank Abbott just proceeds to beat the Pisso team. Yeah. yeah, cool.
1: <sighs> yeah, whatever.
2: <laughs> I can't I, I Now can't I'm I'm somebody it. that
1: like I have I have rose tinted glasses, but I do love that when he starts doing the call now Goldberg where he just comes out and beats up people all the time. And particularly when he beats the fucking dog shit oh, out of yeah. Mark Madden on Nitro. I think that might be a night oh, nitro really? by yeah, itself. Um... <laughs> pulling the shirt up over him and just putting haymakers into his
2: gut like can can you remember like that weird MMA style dome cage WCW had
1: oh was this part of the because we've talked about doing this was this part of uh, cross promotion because it's this year the battle dome comes out and I can't I'm trying to jog
2: my memory and I can't remember if it was this time or another time that they had that cage I
1: can't remember if we did a shout on the show, by the way. If anybody can get me Battle Dome, like links to watch all of Battledome, we want to do a
2: mini-series on Battledome. Dave wants to do a mini-series on Battle <laughs> Dome.
1: <laughs> Cause I remember, do you remember that was on Tv3 over here in prime time? No. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was one of the early because Tv three, our third station, launched around this Think time. Think about that. And yeah and it, it was like Battledome was prime time shit And they did some crossover on WCW They must have both been Turner mm. properties Um, But yeah They did two seasons of the show I really want to watch it back Because like I imagine it's It's fun bad Because it's, like, it's like American Gladiators but with like pro wrestling Like worked storylines in it uh, But yeah I'd really like to watch it I'd really like to watch it I know you can get Season 1 on a Region 1 DVD on eBay. I have, oh uh, This is how far I have actually looked into it. And there is one, I think you can get it on Prime Video On Demand in America. But I haven't seen Season 2 anywhere. And I haven't seen good uh, links to, quote unquote, purchase it. So if anybody can get me Battledome, uh, hit me up in the, the DMs at WCW Thunderpod, please. i have to search
2: it up and see if I have uh, accessibility to it.
1: Yes, please do. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Norton immediately. Oh, this was like a classic, like from the the Meng playbook. Uh, Scott Norton's no selling in this match was hysterically funny. Like it wasn't. Like it, I'd feel bad normally, but it was such a level of no selling that I I just laughed. Like he, Silver King nails him with a drop kick, and he's just like, nah, yeah, he just doesn't budge. <laughs> and, And he's just wearing jeans and a vest and he's just like, fuck it. Um, He's got a real thick dad chain on. Uh, He's just like walking around the ring as well. Like he never moves faster than a walk. Uh, Silver King is doing the Lord's work, like bumping around like crazy, just pinballing off him. Um, I was just like, Jesus, mate, like, don't work too hard, like, because Lord Nobody knows to, your yeah. your dance partner here isn't going to work for you. Uh, Silver King. Oh, this is the best no sell I've maybe seen it ever in this run since the no no bumps match mm-hmm. on Nitro. That's me, me and Aaron Quinn's favorite match of all time. Um, Silver King ducks a corner charge, goes up top and hits a moonsault on Norton. Which he no sells. I have never seen anyone no sell a standing uh, see, it's moon no sells it.
2: Norton makes this movement so it looks like he's putting his shoulder into Silver King. Yeah, I thought he was going to do the Samoa Joe side step,
1: no. but no, he was just yeah, Like he said, he was just like he was just too hench to be moonsaulted upon, <laughs> sir. <laughs> um. Then he's just like fuck. He hits what I'm gonna start calling the fuck you power bomb. Yeah. Which is like I am going to give you Legitimate whiplash That is how hard I'm going to put you Into this match And wins And He said Quite accurately Down the barrel of the camera Then Nobody wants a piece of this And Sir I Absolutely concur with we, you We should No one wants a piece of We should say Scott Norton is
2: currently In a feud with the cat
1: Yes I Look I love Silver King You mm. love Silver King We all love Silver King you take that element out of it. This oh, it was great a it really was. <laughs> it's great to squash. like he beat the dog fuck out of him. <laughs> and him. Like he squashed him in a worked sense, but also in a shoot sense. Yeah, no, nobody can take Silver King seriously after this. Unfortunately. Ah, oh, so good. Um, we go back to Nitro, and uh, we are fully in the rap is crap storyline. Uh, they have a stare down with Conan and Ray, our new No Limit um, soldiers. Th- th- which also, this was, I think, is it? Oh, is it this Nitro or the next Nitro where we have
2: the 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 official arrival of the I think No Limit soldiers? One. Um, yeah, this was also Our first introduction to DJ. What's his name on Nitro? DJ, what's his oh, name? Fuck, what's his name? I can't think. Of it. It's gone out of my fucking head. Um, yeah Yeah. the DJ that becomes a mainstay on Nitro for a year or so isn't it yeah WCW Nitro
1: DJ because the name is on the tip of my tongue as well that's gonna bother me is it DJ DJ Ram
2: that's uh... yeah Um, yeah so uh,
1: he's there he's there like um... yeah it looks like he's actually there till the last Nitro Uh, cause there's a, there's a Reddit article here about his, cause he, yeah, they have an interview with him about the final Nitro, uh, Link to YouTube here. let see. I actually, I actually might watch that to hear him talk about like his involvement with wcw and the final nitro that'd be interesting because we've all heard the same like shane helms and stuff like that talking about shane walking into mm. the dressing room and stuff like that but i'd like to actually get a fresh perspective on what must have been an exceptionally weird night
2: um so yeah it's basically the Henning and bobby duncombe jr who are now aligned are uh yeah basically bullying dj ram and
1: yeah not formally known as no, the quite West quite Texas yet. Rednecks, yes,
2: and uh, Conan and Mysterio come to his aid, and this is the mm. big kickoff to the West Texas Rednecks versus what would become the Filthy Animals feud.
1: Mm. Um. This leads into a match between Rey Mysterio and Kurt Hennig, and before I remember that they officially get a tag team name, I started trying to workshop them, and I got halfway through writing "Perfect Come and I said, "You know what? Never mind." Um.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you have Valvina's on the other channel, so
1: yeah, I know. Uh, this is, has he got his his jizz shirt yet? At this Ooh, point in '99, I'm not sure. Yeah, locked, cocked, etc. Ray makes a running start here, but Kurt was ready for him. Um, Ray picks up the pace, and Hennig can't cope. I do love that. I think that's a a good role for Kurt Hennig to have, is, like, you put him in there with a cruiser, and he's just, like, the salty vet that can't keep up with the fucking flippy-doos. Kurt gets the heat uh, going through the break, but then Ray begins a comeback that's focused on Hennig's bad wheel. Um, Hennig cuts him off. Ray makes another comeback. Um... Oh yeah, he looks like he's going for a Bronco Buster, but Duncan comes out of nowhere and wishbones him <laughs> off the ring yeah. post. Um, Hennig calls Duncan in, and they beat him down as Hennig puts Bobby's hat on, which is like, okay, it's not quite Kurt Angle in the tiny cowboy hat, but Kurt Hennig in a cowboy hat always it's funny.
2: strange visual, isn't it? When you haven't seen it for a while, it is. <laughs> it is it's, it's, it's very strange. It's not natural to
1: me um, at all. Um. Several seconds too late. I, this again, another possible
2: missed cue. It feels like several seconds too late into this beating. Conan and Kidman are out. Isn't to help. it interesting that Kidman came out, and yet Conan and Ray couldn't have been asked to come out and help Kidman the other night? Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Uh, but that I suppose that's a bit of continuity because wasn't that kind
1: of happening with like when Kidman and Ray were sort of friends, sort of mm-hmm. not? Like there was a couple of occasions where Kidman was coincidentally not able to save Ray from beatdowns King from the was Just too busy
2: backstage with all his.
1: Yeah, look, I, look. I don't for a second think this is deliberate, but it just like there is enough there that you could try oh, and rationalise it. If you I were need smart. a
2: very reason for why Kidman is too busy to help Ray Mysterio,
1: uh, Lee, I want you to paint me a word picture of our next our next uh, flashback to Nitro. This is the lose septic
2: services angle. I mean, it's li- literally Sorry. shit. This is, this is the picture, yes.
1: literally, and fully enough metaphorically shit as uh, well. So while I while I go and refill my drink here, I would like you to paint me a word picture.
2: So this this flashback, you get a Savage and the ladies are leaving the arena, getting into their uh, limo, and they they all load in as as you do, and about to leave and talking about how successful the night has been when they are blocked in by two septic waste trucks. And it would turn out that one, Kevin Nash, gets out of the passenger seat of one of the trucks. And, um, yeah, so, you know, as happens in these angles, the doors magically no longer work. And the heels cannot make their escape. So Kevin Nash proceeds to get the hose. He climbs on top of the limo very easily, I should say, removes the uh, sunroof. It's almost like it, ha- it wasn't actually in place. And he uh, proceeds to take the hose and fill the inside of the limo with what I presume to be septic waste. Or waste from a... Uh, from Lou. It's Lou's Well, it's Lou's, Lou's personal waste, yes. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I was just saying, Dave, while you were gone, that it's amazing in all these angles when the cars get blocked in, the doors no longer work. It's one of these safety yeah. features.
1: Nor nor the sunroof, which was then utilized as part of this. Yeah, angle. I was going to
2: say the, the the sunroof came off very easily for one, Kevin Nash. It's almost like yeah. it wasn't there at all. Um, yeah. So yeah, so Nash proceeds to spray them with shite, literally.
1: What what I also what I also love about while he's spraying them with shite is that Savage very quickly leaps out of the way of it to the opposite end of the limo. But none of the women think yeah. to do that, so they get like
2: full force all of Lou's septic sprayed. But upon Savage them. is doing the classic oversell of it while still avoiding a lot of it.
1: Yeah, when they come out of the car all covered in it, Savage is remarkably clean. Compared the the to women the are fucking the other round, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they really. To be fair, they, they, to like, they committed to the hats yeah. off them. They really did. Savage again, just kind of did his own fucking thing
2: yeah. um, So Savage, the or uh, Nash gets gets out. I forgot to mention this. he gets out of the uh, passenger seat, and he has on a mask, like yeah. a, a um, like a a breathing mask, breathing apparatus, and I will say takes away a ton of cool points. Like, when you have, like, Austin coming out driving Zambonis and fucking beer trucks and all that, and then you see Kevin Nash having to wear safety equipment. Yeah.
1: I, I think this whole thing, like, in terms of taking away cool points, I think I'd feel a bit differently about this were it not for those Austin angles. Like, it is, to me, like, transparently... Copying yeah, all because that shit. the year
2: before Austin had done the cement truck. Yeah,
1: and um, yes, that's the closest we were talking about his mm. famous angles, but that's the closest one to one in terms of like he fucked up a vehicle.
2: um Nash then runs away, you know, gets back into Bastian. He says, "Go, go, go!" because he's afraid.
1: Of... Lou Lou runs septic services, but he's also
2: an accomplished getaway <laughs> driver. Um. So Macho gets out of the car and uh, I believe he screams son of a bitch at least three times which is a big no-no on uh, yeah. Turner Network Television, Dave. Yeah. Yes.
1: But it, once again it's savage. He's he's gonna do mm-hmm. his thing.
2: I did like that he added in that yeah. he was gagging while the women are just like screaming in the background.
1: Yeah. I didn't li- I didn't like it at all. I felt like it was like I said an imitation a low-rent imitation of stuff that got over and as a like in terms of thunder, this is the second last thunder before the pay per view. I was like, this is maybe a silly middle of the mm-hmm. month angle you do. Um, I don't feel this is like just before the go home show sort of. So you stuff.
2: you don't feel that the lipstick on Kevin Nash's face and the septic tank water are yeah. big big pushes for a WCW World Title match. No, and it's funny because I think that,
1: in isolation, the idea of that like savage becomes unhinged and starts ruining shows by attacking people is a good angle mm-hmm. to take, but the execution has been uniformly yeah, bad I, that's true i um I think, like you said, I think the lipstick thing is just like because again it's a it's a pale variation on the n w o spraying people, but they're not doing it in a way that even if they did exactly that. But they really emphasized how he is he is tagging him like the NWO used to tag people, you know, that it's it's paying into their history with mm-hmm. each other and with the NWO um, or something like that. I don't get the point of the lipstick thing. Like why lipstick? Apart from the fact that he's got it's three, now, you know, yeah. female yeah. valets. Yeah, that's that's the only link, well, really. Um,
2: speaking of tagging, what do you think of twenty twenty new tagging craze in AEW? Have you have you seen this? No. Tony Storm and uh, Soraya are now.
1: Oh yeah, and they're painting people yeah. green. Like, is that going to be a thing I think, where, I think that's like, thing. it's people who envy? Yeah.
2: Well, no, I th- I thought it was that, that they're, they're green, envy- as in, they're green. Mm.
1: Oh, yeah, maybe, yeah. I'd prefer, like, that whole, you know, establishment thing, you know, versus the AEW originals. I'm not... I'm not usually gone on it. I think it would be more interesting if, like, Saraya went back to her kind of, like, anti-diva thing that she was doing in, in NXT, where she was just, like, you know, I come from a lineage of professional wrestlers these guys like there is plenty of opportunity like these like so these women's wrestlers now they aren't divas by any stretch of the imagination but you could do a variation on it like loads of them do all these media Uh appearances and stuff like this and they're trying to be crossover stars like you have the picture of like all the the AEW women uh, with the the Jags quarterback and and stuff like that, so you could have like they're uh, making, they're trying to make this about more than wrestling. Where I I like don't think Soraya, Soraya can do be... that,
2: considering she's been on like seven seasons of Total Divas.
1: But that's, but because she's a heel, you sort of can because it can make her a massive mm. hypocrite. You know, like there is put it this way, there are multiple ways you can slice this that we better than the way they're doing it at the moment I, I don't really now I do think it was smart to turn her because the crowd were just yeah. not having it and I do think I am interested long term in heel Tony Storm which is not something we've seen too much of no I,
2: I think there was a period where she was heel and progress for a little bit but then like everyone was so into her yeah. that they just turned her back anyway
1: as think she was so um, over on the Indies like you couldn't really
2: i I don't I'm like you I, I'm not overly enjoying it but I don't hate it either I'm, I'm very much in the middle ground yeah. of I'm gonna give this time to play out and see where it goes um i think
1: the, I think division at the moment is suffering from the fact that one of the divisions the women's divisions they are trying like hell to keep anybody with a name away from Jade. Because they want her to rack up those wins, but they don't want her beating any of the top women.
2: Yeah, it's almost like they're in a holding, um, holding pattern, waiting for somebody to come in, isn't it?
1: Yes, and I think if it's not that person, I think they just need to do it and do it soon. Because I think, like, I love Jade, like, as a an aura, as a presence, but I, I think I, this, I think like, the, she I has think to drop it. She has to drop it and turn. I
2: think the... Uh, the 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 payoff is going to be a mystery opponent that double or nothing that everyone knows is not a mystery.
1: Revolution, no, I even. I
2: think it stretches.
1: Oh, do you think? Oh, Jesus. Oh, man. It'll be so. Oh, God. I want it to be sooner. I really like it because I'm just thinking about if it is that mystery person, they can probably announce it. Uh, was it a week and a half away from that? Uh, Battle, of the Battle Valley? in the
2: Valley is the middle of February. Yeah, so.
1: So if there is, people have suspected maybe there's an agreement that, that that person yeah, will appear first on their show yeah. because there's just enough time to get that person in for the pay-per-view.
2: Uh, no, I think if if they're bringing her in, they have to do the CM Punk thing of, oh, it's a yeah. big mystery, but wink, wink, it's... Now, if you if you want to do
1: the thing where you have her debut and confront Jade, they don't have the match now, but they're kind like of like the, the, the building it. A Angle Samoa Joe I think once we know that's the de- definitive path, I think people will be okay with it for a while longer. Um, like you can do an angle where Jade is ducking her. Um, but I think like if that's not, if that's not what the plan is, they need to they they need to mm. get it off her soon. Because I think it has run its course. People just want to cheer Jade now. There's no one they can put yeah, her against that they won't I cheer. Think, I think none none of the girls are putting her against are getting. I, I, I think reactions. money
2: in her as a face.
1: Yeah, no, I, I genuinely and as like a crossover yeah. star, um, and I also think she needs reps. I think she's one of these people that now they're it's doing house shows. I think she used to be on every every single fucking yeah. one of them. Um and I also think once you have that title offer, you can start putting her in more matches because like it, she has to be in matches where she's either tagging with people or she's defending the belts now. Um, but anyway, that's that's kind of getting dramatically off the point. Uh, it's main event time. Um, Chris Benoit versus Ric Flair with Asia. Um, you were a big fan of this match.
2: Yeah, that's very good. Um,
1: yeah, I, I will. I, I, I thought this was it was one of those matches where you see the immense respect one man has for the other, because Ric Flair, going into a pay per view where he has like as much as we're not into it, a big story, he is a big star in this business, gave Benoit ninety yeah, percent of the match. This is match.
2: the classic Ric Flair thing of I just want to go in there and work with people and, like the, the famous stories are he'd he'd wrestle guys like George South on TV, and just give them so much more than anybody else would because Ric Flair just loves wrestling people that he respects. And look, we'll we'll say this every time we talk about him and blah, blah, blah. People in the business respected Chris Benbow. The man gets a mega push for the rest of 1999 in WCW because mostly people respected him. And the fans... And because everybody knew, like, I could put myself in an angle
1: with this guy and we're both going to get over It's amazing
2: because... that the fans are right there as well at this point. They're like, yeah, yeah. this guy is good. Yeah. And uh...
1: and he's a guy, like, it's so interesting. Like, multiple companies, multiple years where before they did, you could have done something on a main event level with him. And obviously they eventually do like right when he's already resolved to leave
2: yeah it's it's classic fucking wcw in that they just leave it too long um but now like uh, this like you could give me this on every thunder if you tell me there's going to be a 12 minute main event involving two guys that are just going to go out there and wrestle and fucking yeah yeah there might be a bullshit finish but i will take that kind of like good 10 minute match
1: and that's the thing. I will like. I will get to describing some of the highlights of the matches here now over the next couple of minutes. But like, at the end of the day, it's exactly the match you you think. It's like these two guys coming in, largely calling it on the fly, and just having a really just solid wrestling match. Like it's and not. I was
2: just going to say, I, I it's think not, they very much wrestle within themselves as well. Yes, it's
1: not the level that they can go to where we're telling you you guys gotta watch this show because, like, this is one of the... Like, it probably is by default in the upper echelon of Thunder matches, but it's also only really about, like, what would you say, like, a three-and-a-half star kind of, I, I, like, yeah, it's not... Yeah, probably
2: wouldn't even go three-and-a-half, probably go three-and-a-quarter, but it's just, it's... Yeah. It's just solid, good professional wrestling with two good, solid professional wrestlers that just kind yeah. of go back and forward, and it has a good story behind it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure Um, to get into the actual meat of the match now uh, it's very like it plays into the storyline of the horseman deserting Flair where you have a very aggressive Benoit vicious in fact uh, coming after Flair uh, Flair like really early on is just like oh, I'm fucking not having this and tries to go up the ramp and go home uh, Benoit chases him it is like I said all Benoit early uh, he manages to get a figure for him uh, back to the corner an ungodly amount of chops in this match, uh, which wasn't really like I feel like the doing loads of chops bit has been killed to death by the indies. Um, there's very few people anymore who can do a load of chops in a match. Like, I think Valter is the only one who, when they do a load of chops, people are like, Oh, well,
2: I, I think when Flair went to the WWE like post WCW, I think that's when doing the fuck ton of chops with Flair really got overdone. Um, Yeah. Because really, there wasn't much Ric Flair could do at that point anyway. So he kind of, his matches became heavily reliant on the chopping battles.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So many, many chops. He begs off again. Flair tries to argue with the ref and the ref shoves him over. Uh, which very much reminded me of like the um the dynamic we'd have the following year with Triple H and Earl Hebner. ever during the infamous yeah, dusty it, finish with it, it, Jericho.
2: It, it's a bit that Flair would do in the 80s with Tommy Young.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you see him repeating it now. Triple H, obviously a huge Flair fan, would repeat it later. And then even actually into AEW, Jericho was doing the That's bit with right, Aubrey yeah. for yeah. like the first year or so. It's a, like it's a look, it's a time honoured bit, I guess, um so corner chops again benoit gets briefly distracted where the ref is trying to get him to break the corner chops and flair gets the thumb in the eye um i'm not going to repeat any of it but this is kind of what uh lee was talking uh, about larry being really bad on this show he is very very awful for a sustained period specifically about asia and I don't yeah. want to get into that. Like, he says some really fucking horrendous things Uh, on this show that just aren't worth thinking about or repeating again. Um, It's very much one of those things that we're going to get it more and more with Asia. I know we are. It's just, like, very much this is, unfortunately, the way people were at the time. And it's awful. And I can't imagine it being a funny bit at the time, either. Like, it was a more socially acceptable, unfortunately...
2: Well, to plumb for bad gags, but. And if you think like, it's bad with Asia, and trust me, it's fucking bad, wait until midnight yeah. comes in. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <sighs> Flair has given Benoit most of this. He's willing to look like a complete coward as well, um, as we mentioned. Uh, outside, and Flair is backing up. You get some more chops against the rail. Flair manages to stop that assault for a second when they return into the ring, but it's really only a second. This this cycle of chops and begging off continues. Um, another exchange, standing chop exchange between the two. Uh, Flair sees an opportunity, grabs the figure four. Uh, Benoit manages to survive. Flair tries to attack his leg again. Benoit hits an enziguri. Uh, Benoit misses a drop kick. Um, Flair gets a headlock in. Benoit gets out of it with a head scissors they do um the waistlock posting up from a pin uh, bit which was i think genuinely impressive mm-hmm. the flair was still able to do that like it wasn't the smoothest one you'd that ever seen a, in your life but a, a it was little bit of those... a struggle there the latter flair definitely had this thing in him where he was just like i'm going to prove i can still do it like there's a famous story about him and Takers mania match where he didn't think he could do the corner flip spot and the first time they did it, he didn't do it. And Undertaker was right, like, let, let's you're go. fucking doing yeah. it. Isn't that, that is the thing? Yeah, yeah, quote. yeah. And right, he did kid, it let's again. Go. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, so Lariat from Benoit. He does the throat slash. Short arm clothesline. Um, does the headbutt. And then DDP is out. Pulls the ref out. Kills the ref. Uh, Bam Bam's here now. Benoit fights valiantly but the numbers add up as we go out off the air with the greetings cutter which still looks
2: terrible oh, fucking, I'm, I've been trying to think up a name for that yeah and I, I can't come up yeah. with one that's appropriate
1: what about oh what about the greetings from Bangtown I remember the Bangtown, Bangtown the thing, thing he yeah. was going on for, for a month I was thinking yeah. Diamonds from Asbury Park yeah Tell us what you prefer. Greetings from Bangtown or Diamonds from Asbury Greetings. Park? At WCW. Greetings from Bangtown
2: is definitely a Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lopez movie.
1: Uh, and definitely also
2: a porn. Oh, yeah.
1: A, le- a series of them. A series, for sure. <laughs> uh, What's the name I uh, got? Vivid Video Presents. <laughs>
2: There's a name I haven't thought about in fucking years.
1: I actually, because I watched the. Um, Vivid Videos? <laughs> no yeah (laughs) yeah no i watched the um the netflix documentary about pamela anderson Ah, i think vivid get a mention there because i think they're one of the companies that tried to distribute the pam and tommy tape um but anyway i actually haven't watched it yeah i must watch it um it's a very good documentary very sad but very good um that's the end of of thunder um this week what did you think of the show overall like we kind of gave early impressions that didn't hate it didn't love it um I thought, anyway, a perfectly serviceable, watchable two hours of TV that moves stuff along and didn't feel with the exception of Bam Bam not having the belt didn't feel too much like this was clearly taped before
2: things no, changed. No, like, like I said at the top of the show, like, every match progresses on current storylines and that's not always a thing on these second, second parts of the tapings. Um, yeah. Like, a very fun squash. Um, a very good main, like a good to very good main event, depending on your on your opinion. Um, some like even the flashbacks were pretty relevant to to what was being told on the show. Yeah,
1: because again, like if you want to play devil's advocate with me saying I'm surprised we didn't see anything in the cage match, maybe in some ways it makes sense because we didn't actually get any yeah, they, Rick they Steiner on this show they, so. they, they
2: actually said at one point yeah. that uh, the Steiners Tank Abbott and Sting were all barred from the building so yeah. it may, maybe it was like uh, they kind of looked into it in, in one sense that they didn't book a Rick Steiner singles match or a Scott Steiner singles match um, mm. but that kind of played into what happened on Nitro so yeah look look, I think it was all in all a pretty enjoyable show um and yeah i i thought it was pretty good uh, like like i say i'll always take a main event like this to close out a show which will always kind of give me a better feeling about the overall show
1: yeah so anything works like if you stick the landing mm. people remember it a lot better than you know if you don't um the finish counter... Oh, actually, sorry. Give me your winners and losers. Uh,
2: winners and losers. I think Chris Benoit. I think, comes out with some major credit for a pretty good performance in the main event with, with Flair. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Scott Norton looked like a fucking beast, which is not something we've always said on this yeah. show. Um. Yeah. And yeah other than that there was like I don't really know like Hugh Morris fucking being associated with Brian Knobbs is not doing that man any favours at all yeah and like maybe you could
1: say because he was the victim of the squash you could argue that Silver King unfortunately has to be put in the loser category again yeah we love you Silver King so much um But yeah, so the finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga has six matches on this show and a rare 50-50 split. Three clean finishes and two, or sorry, and three DQs or countouts. Uh, So statistical anomaly there. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Uh, We'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Uh, here at the voices of wrestling podcast network uh, be safe be well we'll talk to you then bye bye thanks everyone for listening to another episode of days of thunder days of thunder was produced by lee malone and edited by me dave ryan keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us you can follow us on twitter at wcw thunder or click the link tree link in our twitter bio or in the show notes I am at the day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore seven one three. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts that you can shake a stick at. Thanks.
3: About Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co.
0: Hello there, my name's Neil David, and I'm the host of Euro Graps Express, the podcast exclusively dedicated to the wrestling of Europe. If it's wrestling and it happens in Europe and it's good, we talk about it. Whether it's RevPro, Progress, WXW, Passion Pro, Pro Wrestling Chaos, Pro Wrestling North. We don't care. We talk about them all. If it's good and it's exciting, I want to share it with you. We're on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Check us out on the feed. Check us out on Twitter at EurograpsExp, And join us for chat about European wrestling and a little bit of chat about cheese. Hopefully see you there.